Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile, and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no-drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Ed, how are you, man? Hey, Rob. Tell me you're in Hawaii. You've got to be in Hawaii. Oh, no, I'm back in L.A. What? I can't believe you came back. Hey, everybody. Thanks for downloading. Um, And you're going to get the download in about a second when we start this interview. Ed O'Neill, a great actor, a dramatic actor, comedy actor, married with children. I mean, come on. Al Bundy. Let's go. Modern family and and on and on and on. And just one of the great raconteur storytellers and like like good dudes um, in the business. Um, He and I go back to our days of Wayne's World for those of you who are super fans of that movie and it's a fun conversation so let's go i didn't think you could be dragged off of hawaii for anything <laughs> it wasn't easy but i gotta help out here my 21 year old's moving to new york city you lived in new york for many years i would think right yeah. at some point yeah there's nothing like being young single be- starting your life out in new york i think it should be required yeah, everybody should have to live there, don't you think? I agree for sure. You want—I mean, you just have to navigate it. There's nothing like that energy, and you know, you, yeah. you grow up awfully quickly when you have to you really, do. really live in New York City. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I the first year I kind of hated it because I didn't know what subways and what buses and what you know. I mean, you don't know where to go, and I'd end up in all sorts of crazy places. It's an art form for sure. 
Um, yeah. I, I had no idea. I was doing a little, I mean, we've known each other, you know, peripherally, peripherally, peripherally forever. Yeah. For, for many, 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 many years. That's right. But as I look through, uh, the, my little background research on you, (laughs) I didn't really realize your early football career in your life. I mean, I kind of knew you played football, but I didn't really realize the extent. I kind of wish I hadn't really. Why? Well, you know, I feel it now. Really? You know, you know, a couple knee operations, a torn Achilles tendon, and concussions, broken fingers, you know, broken collarbone. How many concussions do you think you had in your I don't, career? You, I couldn't count them because, you know, in those days, we didn't even know what, a, you know, well, we called it um, getting your bell rung. Yes, of course. Yeah, he, got your, yeah, he really so, got his bell rung, but that was it. Yeah. Just, sometimes you'd actually see. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but you can actually see stars yes. and planets. You know, that's not, I always thought that was just a saying. I, well, I thought it was a, only a, well, it only happened to Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yes, me too. But I've seen a few of those uh, planetary. Yeah. Uh, you visions. literally, you actually see stars in the birthday, like, like yeah. they do in the cartoons. You know, it's funny. When I got cut, I was the, um, I was with, it was Chuck Knoll's first year. No I was with the Steelers, Right. So the day I got cut, he could not have been nicer. The whole Rooney family, by the way, are legendary. Yes. Nice guys. Yeah. So uh, he called me in, you know, I was told to bring my playbook. This is for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. 1969, his first year, my first year and only year. So I was, you know, he was telling me how. He liked me. You know, he was saying nice things. He said that he had to produce because it was his first year. And in some ways, it was, I was trying to make outside linebacker. I had never played outside linebacker because, in, you know, in college, very few college defenses used to the outside linebackers. They used what they called a 5-4, mm-hmm. two linebackers with a middle guard over the center. And that was the only defense I ever played. So I was trying to learn the position and make the team oh boy. at the same time, which I don't recommend. <laughs> no, no. But anyway, he said, listen, if you want, I talked to the head coach of the Eagles 15 minutes ago. I was thinking about you coming in here. I hated to tell you what I'm telling you, but if you want, we'll rent you a car and try out for the Eagles. He said, but I've got to know right now. I've got to know right away because you know, they're, if they don't, if you're not coming down, they're going to get somebody else in. And, you know, this was, took me, I was just standing there. I was sitting across from him and I said, you know what? I'm done. Wow. He said, really? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to play anymore. I really didn't. Really? Why, why didn't you want to play? Well, I had played for two different colleges. I had knee problems now. But this I is thought, the NFL. You know, this is the NFL. This is it. Yeah. NFL. Yeah. But I was a little bit sick of. I didn't say this to him, but I didn't like coaches, especially, mm. although I did like him and I didn't like a lot of players. I mean, I got to the point where a lot of the players, I wasn't really so thrilled about. Interesting. So I just said, I'm done. And that was it. That was it. Now, is this the same team that eventually had yes. Mean Joe Green yes. and like LC Greenwood? Yeah, they won four Super Bowls right after, right after I was gone, by the way. I mean... I could, and, you know, I'll tell you a funny thing about that. It's just a kind of funny story you'll appreciate. 
two brothers used to come to the practice sessions every day. We, our practice session was at St. Vincent's College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. And these two guys would show up every day. They had notepads. They had names and numbers. And these were fans. Dennis Miller and his brother, Jimmy. Come on. I swear to God. And I, they stopped me coming. I was going to pray. Ed O'Neill, Youngstown, Ohio. Get over here. Ed O'Neill, baby, from Youngstown, Ohio. You look like uh, Chicky Chickerson from the 59. That's right. And so, uh, you know, you meet the kids. The kids are all out there. They're looking, you know, you've got the uniform. So they're asking for autographs. And I remember saying to these kids, look, I'm not really on the team. I'm a rookie. I'm trying out. You don't want my autograph. And they would say, well, you might be famous someday. Mm -hmm. So I'd sign it. And I often wonder if anybody ever saved those How autographs. How great would that be? Would you rather have Ed O'Neill's uh, autograph on a first season of Married with Children, final season of Modern Family, or Steelers rookie jersey? For sure, I want the Steelers yeah. rookie jersey. Yeah, yeah. The Steelers are notorious, apparently, to this day, because they are such a successful franchise. Um, oh, yeah. that they are like really slow to change. And I hear that like they're one of the few locker rooms where you can like still go in and get like hostess ho-hos and Probably shit like so. that. They're like, when, when I was, uh, when I was the day I was cut, the, uh, equipment manager came in to my room and, uh, he said, listen, we've got a lot of the great stuff for you. You know, they try to make it easier on you. I said, what kind of stuff? He said, like swag. You know, we've got like great hats and t-shirts and jerseys and game jerseys and shorts. And I said, I don't want any of that shit. <laughs> he said, what are you talking about? I said, I don't want any of it. Why would I wear it? That's rinky dick. If I made the team, I'd wear it. I'm not wearing it because I got cut. That's a good point. And they said, well, you're, you're. Your shoes, your cleats are down in the stadium, in your locker. You'll want to get your cleats before we get... I said, why? I'm never going to play again. I'm never going to use them. They must have looked at you like you were insane. I just left them there. By the way, the, it's the best... They're my favorite uniforms in all of football, by far. Yeah, they're great. And you, do you know the story of why the logo is only on one side of the helmets? No. So, and it's one of those things that I'm not sure people really fully realize, but... They are the only team in the league whose logo, and it's that amazing Steelers logo, yeah. which I think is actually an emblem of a steel steel union or something. Because I can remember yeah. having refrigerators as a kid in Ohio from Pittsburgh that had that logo on it. But it wasn't the Steelers logo, but it was that same right. logo. But um, yeah, so it's the only it's the only uh, uh, helmet with a with a logo on one side. What they get the logo they, for the very first time. Ever. Yeah. And the equipment manager's job, they, they get it right before a game, right before a game. And the equipment manager is like, I don't have enough. I don't have enough logos. I don't have enough. And like, just put them on one side of the helmet. Oh, that's it. So they put them on one side of the helmet for that game. And then everybody's like, you know what? This is kind of cool. And that was it. You know, that's so funny. I love all that sports stuff. I know that. And I'll tell you another funny story about it that, that happened recently. When, uh, because they've always, always been trying to get me to go to the games, you know, like come to the games, yeah. and, you know, you come out, we'll introduce you and 
I said, no, I watch it on TV. So when uh, Sofia Vergara got married, uh, that was down in uh, the Breakers Hotel in West Palm Beach. Sure. The wedding was four days, you know. <laughs> and I know it cost about $4 million <laughs> oh, to put it on. And uh, she told me, well, I'm selling it. You know, I'm selling it. Right. What do you think? Yes. To Europe and everything. She made money yeah. on the wedding. She's no dummy. But I'm at the reception and uh, this guy comes up to me and he says, uh, I don't want to bother you, Mr. O'Neill, you know, but you're trying to enjoy yourself, you know, but I work for a, a man who's your biggest fan and he's afraid to come over and bother you. And I, I'm just wondering if that would be okay. And I said, where is he? He said, he's over there by the fountain. So I look over there and I said, that's Franco Harris. Uh, uh, uh. He said, yeah. So I, I said, come here. So he comes over like a kid, you know, he's uh, like, I said, you know, I, I was a rookie the year before you got there. He said, yeah. I said, you know that. He said, yeah, well, yeah, I know all about it. I said, you came from Penn State, right? I was there two weeks. You won four Super Bowls. Why am I your idol? <laughs> you know, what is it really? He looks like he can still play, by the way. And he, yeah, he looks absolutely, I met him recently and couldn't believe he looked exactly as he did. But University of Ohio is where you came from first, but that's not Ohio State. That's something different, no, correct? it's Ohio University in, in Athens, Ohio. Okay, that's right. I played for a guy named Bill Hess. Okay, I remember. Um, then, I, then I transferred to Youngstown State, that, where I was born and raised. And I'll tell you something about that goddamn team. Our, our uh, it was a mascot, I guess you call yeah. it, right? The name, like, it was the Penguins. Sure, so many Penguins Youngstown in Ohio. Youngstown State University Penguins. Yeah, the Ohio Penguins, they're, they're everywhere when you go to Ohio. And I, and I said, how in God's name did you name a team in Ohio Penguins? And they said that in the 1930s, they had a basketball team that was playing Slippery Rock Teachers College, <laughs> and the gym was underheated. It was cold. And the players were trying to keep warm before the game when they were having a shoot around and they were flapping their arms. Hence the penguins. Somebody said, you look like penguins. Well, I'm glad you became an actor. And I know your brain, so your cerebellum is, is happy that you became an actor. Yeah, that's, that's the point. Um, what was your, what was your sort of inroad? Did you, did you come out of New York? Yeah, I, I started doing theater in college, Youngstown State, and then uh, the Youngstown Playhouse, right. a couple other playhouses. Oh, I have one for and you. Then, do you remember, Ed, do you remember a thing called the Kenley Players? Of course. Oh, John Kenley. Oh, oh, yes. Did you work for him? <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Oh, I oh, am. John. So I, Was I, he driving his little cart around? The cart. I can't, you yes. totally know. So I'm obsessed with the Kenley players. So what the Kenley players. I'm sure he liked you. Oh, he did. But I was almost even too young to be liked. No, I, and I was a little too rough trade. Yeah. Yeah. You were way rough trade for him. And he was something, man. That was a, you know, you get Burt Reynolds playing the rainmaker with Miss America. Okay. Okay. I saw Sally Duncan as Peter Pan. I saw Shirley Jones on a clear day. You can see forever. I saw Vincent Price and Oliver. I mean, so the Kenley players was at a time when there really were no, there were no touring Broadway companies. There weren't, it did not exist. So what you did was John Kenley had a circuit of theaters in the Midwest 
that yeah. were the memorial halls so huge huge halls like you know 1100 seats 2000 yes. seats and he would have a series of plays that would come in in the summertime and it was the as close as any of the people in Dayton, Ohio, Warren, Ohio, Cincinnati, sure. Columbus ever got to legitimate theater and massive stars would come in yeah, and, and he would pay them their rate that they were making on their TV shows. Right. And that's what he did right. is he was like, he would take Anson Williams and his hiatus from happy days and say, have you ever wanted to do death of a salesman? No, it wasn't dramas. They were always musicals. And, and there were some good restaurants in the, the one in Warren, Ohio, you know, where that theater that, that I knew, I only knew about his one theater. Yeah. It was Warren was the, the number one place. You can imagine the, uh, playing Warren, Ohio. Yeah. So John in the, in his career in the Midwest, he was responsible for so many people's careers. I auditioned for him for Oliver and never got a job with the Kenley players. But but that but his work made me want to be an actor, and he was by all accounts just an, a tremendous uh, person. Oh yeah, I mean he was a legend, you know, in the in that area. Legend. I love but people. It's funny when I bring the Kenley players up, people either lose their minds and want to talk for a thousand years about it. Ben Stiller and I were talking about this because his parents did the Kenley players circuit almost every summer. Well, I never, I never worked for Kenley either. I mean, I just knew, you know, of him Yeah. and I would read the papers and see whatever the show was. Well, I was in Hawaii, uh, you know, pandemic was happening. Mm -hmm. I was there 10 months. I know. So I'm on my little, yeah, I got this little motor scooter, the old one, you know, like the La Dolce Vita. Yeah. Perfect. You know? Sure. Like Quadrophenia. And I'm down by the beach house. There's nobody there. Beautiful. Sun's going to set. And a golf cart comes down and there's a young kid driving it and an older woman in the back sitting alone. And I sort of said, hi, cause I had to wait to go by them. And she said, are you Ed O'Neill? And I said, yeah. And she said, you know, I'm from Youngstown. I don't live there anymore, but I met you years ago at the Youngstown Playhouse when I, because I did plays there. 10 years before you started, but my husband and I remained patrons of the theater. So one night you were opening in a play and we went to the play and you know, they have afterwards, you meet the actors and have a glass of wine Yeah, and you were so nice to me. And on the way home in the car, I said to my husband, that young fellow could make it, but he'll never leave Youngstown because <gasps> most guys, most people never did. Right. And I said, well, I got out by the skin of my teeth. I said, what's your name now? And she said, Grohl. I said, not, well, you know, David Grohl lives here. She said, that's my son. Un I mean, what a small world, Th right? That's David Grohl's mom. I said, you were telling me just a minute ago how well I've done. <laughs> I said, did you fly in on this private jet? Yes. You know, I, how, but, but how do you, oh, look, I'm from Dayton, Dayton, Ohio. You're from Youngstown. Yeah. You wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be an actor. What, what do you think it is about the people that, that leave and the people that don't, by the way, there's nothing wrong with staying nothing. No, but I but think you we want to get out. But if you want to have a, you know, you, they're not making movies in TV in Dayton or in Youngstown. No, so if you really want to do no. it, you got to go. So, and you know, uh, Luke, you know, um, Luke Perry. Yeah. Luke was from Mansfield. Yeah. What, what do you, what, what do you attribute to that thing that made you want to go? You just knew you had to do it. I guess so, bro. You know, it's been so 
It's been so long. I mean, I remember we had a, we had a local theater uh, in my neighborhood. You know, you could walk to it and it was called the Belmont Theater. And I used to go a lot. I think I saw Real Bravo like 20 times. You know, I saw Spartacus. Yeah. That's a long movie, five times. And I remember coming out saying, boy, I, I like Kirk Douglas as Spartacus, but I love that Crassus, that general uh, Lawrence Oliver. And it was Lawrence, Olivia. Lawrence Oliver. I would see these movies and then I would tell all my friends in my neighborhood the movie. I'd, I'd go through the whole movie. And then if they had a chance to see it, they'd usually say, wasn't as good as the one you told us about. You're a natural born storyteller. Well, I remember when I met you, the first time I met you, do you remember what I said to you? You couldn't possibly. I said, you've missed your calling. You're a funny yet. You know, your impressions are great. <laughs> Thank you. And of course, you always were playing Straight. sort of dramas, yeah. right? You didn't do a lot of comedies or maybe later you did. Yeah, not early. That's for sure. Ooh. You know, we worked together on uh, West Wing. And West Wing and Wayne's World, too. And Wayne's World. You're amazing in Wayne's World. What I love about your cameo in Wayne's World is you are literally so demented. Uh, like, I don't know what's going on with, is it Stan Nikita's Donut Shop? Yeah, Stan Nikita's Donut Shop. I was the manager. Right. You're like all of a sudden out of another movie, which is great because it's, yeah. it's one step away from Silence of the Lambs. It's amazing. Well, I started the one out with, if you stab a man in the dead of winter. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. You steam, you can see steam rising from the wound. And that's, is that a Mike, that must be a Mike Myers. I think that's a Mike, uh, yeah, piece. Uh, so, so funny. You know, I was going to be in Wayne's World too, And, you know, you and I shared for many, many years, the great manager, Bernie Brillstein. Oh, yeah. Who loved you, loved you, loved you, talked about you all the time. And, um, and we did a table reading of, of Wayne's world too, which is, was a notorious train wreck. And it, it was, um, you know, and, was and, and Penelope I'm not, directing, I'm, was Penelope directing that? No, 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 no. That was way before Pe Penelope directed Wayne's world one. Wayne, oh, that's right. Wayne's world two right. was, I believe, Steve Sergic. If I remember correctly, was that the one Walken was in? Well, in the part that I was supposed to play, because, I mean, if you're not going to get me, clearly the next person you go to is Christopher Walken, <laughs> and and we did a table read, and I'll never. It was a disaster, and I remember looking up at the then head of the studio, Sherry Lansing, who was like, Yeah, I knew Sherry. She's stone faced, and then looking over at Bernie, and Bernie w was just sweating. And, and literally looked at me and gave me the like, no way face. And somehow, you know, because he he also managed Lorne, he got me out of that movie. Um, and it was it was uh, it was not. And, and I'm not speaking out of school. Both Dana and Michael tell you it wasn't wasn't the happiest moment in their lives. But uh, oh, I know. But uh, I know. I will. Um, the notion that 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 uh, Chris Walken ended up playing a part I was supposed to do is so insane. Well, you know, when I did Saturday Night Live. I only did that once. It was not my cup of what? tea. What? You're kidding. I would think you would. I don't know why. I, it was just, well, first of all, Lauren and I had absolutely nothing in common. Right. Because I was doing Married with Children. Oh, yes. And, and you know, Lauren didn't want to touch that with a 10-foot No, no, no. That's, he, yes, for sure. You know, he doesn't want to go there. <laughs> so I said, well, what are you going to do? Why am I here? 
what why why am I even doing this? The thing about Ed O'Neill on the show is it reminds America of their middle class upbringings. Yes. I try to run from I, those memories. Yeah, and so um, Chris was doing the following week. Oh, so I heard because you know they had that meeting before we shot our show. Mm-hmm. The meeting of the next week, yeah. you know, they do that. And Chris shows up, and he's sitting in the back with sunglasses on, smoking something. And uh, you know, Lauren goes through his bit about you know this week we have the wonderful Chris Walken. Uh, Chris, just want to tell you that if you have anything you think is amusing or something you'd like to try, please let us know. We're open to any suggestion, anything you think that might be amusing. And Chris said, well, bears are funny. Likewise, bear suits. I can't believe you are telling me this story. Do you know I, that story, right? Yes, I have heard this story. Numer- it's one of my favorite stories it's true but it was i mean i mean i heard it like the next day after it happened i bears are bears funny are funny oh. likewise bear suits and bear suits as well and you know honestly rob i think he ended up as one of the best guests that mr was it mr belvedere oh, you know he, you know the continental the continental and it was the name of the hotel right welcome to the continental he was, my wide-eyed Ruby-lipped dough. Mm. You know, uh, Rob, one time I ran into Chris. Well, you know, I worked with Chris in Dogs of War. Oh, wow. With Tom Berenger. Yeah. We played Mercenaries. Yeah, it's a, t- it's a good movie. And uh, they, they were the stars. I had a smaller role in them. I was one of the Mercenaries. But anyway, you know, I got to know him. And, and so he was doing Hamlet at Stratford. Amazing. And I saw him. It was a Monday, so they were dark. Mm-hmm. And I had just read their review that was in the Daily News or something. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't glowing, but it wasn't bad. But they did say, this walking, he may have a, a Hamlet in him, mm. you know? So I see him walking down the street. You know how he is. The hair is like blowing in the wind. Oh, yeah. He's got that stride. <laughs> I said, Chris, how you doing? I'm just reading about you. Let's get a drink. I said, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. I was on my way to play handball at the West 63rd mm. Street Y. He said, oh, well, too bad. I have to, you know, I'm, it's my day off. So I said, well, I, you got some nice reviews, you know, congratulations. Great role. He said, uh, you know, when you do uh, Shakespeare, the, the critics, you know, they want that thing, you know, the Shakespeare thing. I refuse to give it to them. Oh. Fuck them. I don't, uh, oh. I don't do the thing, you know. I got no idea what he's talking about. I said, well, you know, you came out okay. And he said. Do I not look Danish? <laughs> I said, you do look Danish, as a matter of fact. Do I not look Danish? Bear suits are funny. Summer is almost here. Are you ready to throw open your windows or throw them away? If they're drafty, foggy, or impossible to clean, talk to your friends at Window World. Window World specializes in home transformation with beautiful, energy-efficient windows, entry doors, and siding, featuring Energy Star certification and the good housekeeping seal. Call 1-800-WINDOW-WORLD, schedule your free consultation, and tell them you heard about it here on Literally with Rob Lowe. Window World, 
America's exterior remodeler. Well, you know, no two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas, vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activity allow for such an infinite number of different travel experiences. I mean, I love Texas. I go like this. The people of Dallas, the culture of Austin, and I love any time I get there. If you're a beach person, well, you can go have fun in the sun with Texas 350 miles of coastline. If you're a rugged vacation type, there's campgrounds, hiking trails, state parks, golf is nuts there, foodies. You got your Texas barbecue and live music in Austin. And of course, if you're into the cowboy scene, you can certainly find it there. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom trip matched to their own unique interests. So visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Did you know that it is Asian American Pacific Islanders Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Carden, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meath. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA Scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native, Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. You were in The Unit, right? That's David Mamet's adaptation. Yeah. So, so for those, okay, peeps, so here's the way it works in TV. You get great showrunners, the, a showrunner is the same as a director and a writer. It's the person who runs the show. They write it. They do everything. They're the god, right? And every once in a while, you'll get a movie person or a tremendous writer um, to come in and do a TV series. David Mamet gets convinced, wants to do a CBS procedural, which is a very specific genre. Yeah. Right? It's not HBO. It's not Showtime. Some must see TV. It's early 2000s, down the middle, CBS programmer procedural by David, excuse me, fucking Mamet. So you've got to walk me through this one. I've known David since 1980. We lived near each other in Chelsea in Manhattan. He had a brownstone. Mm -hmm. I had a slum, but (laughs) we were close. So he called me and he said, uh, you know, I'm doing this thing and uh, I'm trying to delegate, you know, because it's a fucking impossible thing. You know, everybody's got to, there's too many fucking chiefs. I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So I so it was a guy who was in a plane. It was a private jet and there was something wrong with it. Sure. And the pilot was dead. Of course. And you don't know how he died. You don't know if he was assassinated, poisoned whatever. And I'm at the controls. I can't fly at a plane. No. And I'm somewhere over like Wisconsin at, at 38,000 feet and I'm on the radio and they have these, you know, Delta force guys that intercept the radio and they're, they're trying to talk me down. But at the same time, they're trying to find out who I am. 
Right. Because they think they start to think I'm a black op, Scott, you right. know, yep. that, that the Air Force wants dead. Yep. So they're trying to save me. And meanwhile, the Air Force is jamming the frequencies. Someone's jamming. So when I show up on the set to do it, it they have a, a mock-up of, of this plane. And the pilot, the poor guy playing the pilot is dead, <laughs> you know. So the director, I never, I didn't know the guy, nice guy. And we start to, you know, start it first scene and Mammoth's not there. So I said, you know, is David going to show today? And he said, well, you know, you know, he'll probably, he'll probably come by around noon. I said, okay. So now the guy is doing a lot of directing and I'm starting to think, oh God, you know, I mean. I know how to do this. Yeah. And if I don't, you're going to get the same fucking thing anyway. So, oh boy, don't direct, you know, but I'm thinking this, of course, I'm not saying it, of course, and I'm being polite. Yeah. And Dave walks in the door Oh boy. and I mean, he, it was only, you know, like half hour after we started and I look and I wave and he, he's got his little beret on. So he, he sits down at the video village and he just watches like two takes. And the director coming in after each take and blah, 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 blah. And finally I see him, he walks over as the guy is directing me, giving me some ideas. And he walks over and says, look, here's the thing from jump. Okay. From the fucking jump, no more fucking directing of the guy, put the fucking camera on, do the shots and let him do whatever the fuck he wants. At the end of the day, we'll have it. He'll go home. We'll all be happy. Okay. Amazing. Adios amigo. That was it. Well, have you ever read the memo he wrote to the writing staff? No. Oh, Ed. Ed, 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 Ed. And anybody out there, anyone who has any interest whatsoever in television must read the memo that he wrote to the writing staff of the unit. It is, it should be emblazoned in the halls of Congress. It should be inscribed in granite on Hollywood Boulevard. And one of my, and there are so many nuggets of knowledge with buried within it. Every writer should read it. Every producer should read it. Every director should read it. Every actor should read it. Every studio head should read it. Everybody who makes television should read it. One of my favorite things he says is he says, and I'm paraphrasing because it's much more colorful language, but he says, it is not the actor's job to play drama, which is true. It's the act. It's the writer's job to write drama. The actor is just to, is to act what's on the page. That's right. And that's always the problem with with really super bad acting is and we it's funny, I, I do a show called 911 and we we go through this on the 911 call center is like a call comes in 911. I'm on an airplane. I, uh, the pilots had a heart attack. I don't know how to fly the plane. Right. The 911 person should not ever play that drama ever, ever. They play no. the facts, the reality. And by the way. They've had calls like that a billion times. Now, maybe not that oh, yeah. over the top, but this is what they do. But when you get a bad actor in there or worse, a bad director, they're like, you know, this is a, this is a life and death situation. I mean, this is a plane that could crash at any moment. I'm mean, just wondering if, you know, I mean, maybe there's a way to sort of visualize it. I mean, just project a little bit of that energy, the stakes of it. Yes. And it's the absolute yes. worst piece of advice yeah. ever. Well, you know, when he did that movie, um, House of Games. Yes. And he had just sold The Untouchables. Mm. And Brian De Palma was shooting that in Chicago with De Niro and Sean Connery and, yep. you know, Star Studded Castle. Yep. And he's in Seattle shooting this little low budget movie. And he gets a call from Brian De Palma. 
you know, that scene you wrote for Bobby, now, De Niro's playing Al Capone. Yep. At the courthouse steps, and he's talking about why he wears a different necktie every day. And it's a wonderful scene. But Bobby seems to be, he's having trouble with some aspects of the scene. And I can't quite figure out exactly what it is. He can't seem to get his mouth around some of these sentences. And, you know, I was hoping that perhaps you would take a look at it. And uh, if you know Mammoth, this is the wrong thing. Yeah. And Mammoth said, uh, I sold it. <laughs> I sold the fucking thing, right? I don't own it anymore. He said, well, I know, I know, but you know, you wrote it. And, and I was, I was thinking maybe you'd do me a favor. He said, uh, let me tell you something, Brian, a favor. I pick your fucking kid up from school. I rewrite the scene. It's a hundred fucking grand. Are we clear? He's my hero. By the way, his books on acting, I highly recommend. It's great. I love him. Apparently this is probably an apocryphal story. I did a movie of his, it was called sexual perversity in Chicago. It was one of his oh, first sure. plays. The, well, it was the play. Yeah, and then they changed it to About Last Night was the title because, yeah. because the newspapers around the United States, this is a true story, they would not run an ad for a movie called Sexual Perversity right. in Chicago. That's the only reason we changed the title. But the story I heard was that they asked and paid David to adapt his play into a movie, and all he did was put interior-exterior over the scenes. Right. That was it. He won't say walking down the street, a beautiful fall day, and the leaves are falling. No. If you've yeah. read a William Goldman script, it is the exact oh, yeah. opposite. It is a full-on yeah. experience unto itself. Yes. Reading it. Yeah, but it's actually for the producers. Yes. You know, it, it's, not for the, it's not for the camera guy or the director, really. Tell me, I got to know about, the because this is also famous in history, is, you know, married with children, you know, people forget it made the Fox network. Fox was nothing. It was nothing, nothing, zero, nothing. Married with children made it massive hit ran forever. And you, my good fine feathered friend were in the catbird seat of a, one of the most classic renegotiations oh, in yeah. history. And, and, and my, in your former manager, the dearly departed legendary Bernie Brillstein apparently murdered Fox for you. Do you remember yeah. any of the stories of, of what he oh, did in yeah. those meetings? Well, you know, it's in one of it's in his book. Right. Right. That's right. But it was Gary Lieberthal. Gary was the guy over at Columbia mm -hmm. and who was, you know, dealing with Bernie on that. And it was it really got vicious. And it was my first negotiation for any anything. You know, you didn't negotiate no. theater. No. And um Bernie, I they make an offer and uh I'd, I'd, I'd look at it and I'd think, take it. This is more money than I'm ever going to make in my life. He'd say, you know, it's not a real good deal. We can do better. So this went on. He kept turning these offers down. And, um, finally the, the, the last off their last final offer, you know how they, they yes. do that. Mm -hmm. This is it. And he doesn't do this, you know, I mean, we, we're going to take him to court because I mean, he is under fucking contract yeah, we'll take, after all. Yeah. They, they hit you with the famous, we'll take his house. Yeah. Everything. Yep. He'll never work that whole thing. Yep. So Bernie says, uh, well, you gotta do what you gotta do. And he had already had the conversation with me in his office. He said, you gotta get in the parking lot. If you may like this deal now, but at the end of the day, 
years go by, you're going to say, you know what? I got fucked a little bit on this deal. You're never going to be in this catbird seat again. They're not going to fire you, but I can't promise you that because they have done it in the past, but I don't think they will, but it's your call. So I said, you know, I mean, what was I going to do? Say, take the deal, Bernie, you know? Mm -hmm. I said, no, go, let's go. Let's go for the whole thing. Beautiful. So now he says, I got to call Gary back. So he gets Lieberthal on the phone and he says, uh, Bernie, tell me, give me the good news. I know he's got to love it. That's a lot of money. Nah, he doesn't really, didn't really wasn't that excited about it. Well, it, he went crazy. You know, Gary went absolutely fucking crazy on the phone and I'm listening. And he starts screaming, what the fuck does he want? And he repeated that several times. What the fuck does he want? And Bernie said famously, I don't know, Gary, but I think we'll know when we hear it. That's a great one. And so then a long story short, we, we got it. And I'll never forget it because I was living in Venice on the canals at the time. And I was in my backyard and the phone rang and it was Bernie. I said, hi, Bernie. And he said, the ship has sailed. <laughs> Now, I don't know why I knew that meant we got the deal. I knew that I knew that's what it meant, right? So sale. come on in. I want to talk to you. I want to run. I want to walk you through everything. So I did. And now he calls Gary and he tells him we got a deal, you know, and Gary, oh my God, I'm so happy, Bernie. At, tell Ed, we love him. We love him. You know, they I'm going, what the fuck? Yeah, they went from we'll take his house to we love him. We're gonna take his house, we're gonna we're gonna put him in jail. Yeah. Looking for a sparkling clean bathroom without so much hassle? Wet and forget weekly shower cleaner is here to revolutionize your cleaning future. Just spray today, rinse tomorrow, and voila. Enjoy a sparkling clean shower and tub without any scrubbing. It's the secret to a hassle-free clean bathroom that many are discovering. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner has proven its effectiveness on shower glass, fixtures, tiles, and more, ensuring everything shines with minimal effort. This product has gained a loyal following thanks to its once-a-week application that makes it a standout in the cleaning aisle. Join the ranks of satisfied users who enjoy more me time and less clean time with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner, available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. It's the perfect choice for anyone wanting to simplify their cleaning routine. Don't miss out on a chance to transform your bathroom cleaning with just one application a week. Pick up a bottle of Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and join the thousands who've already made the switch to Effortless Clean. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. 
They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. Shopping for humans is hard. Shopping for your dog is easy. Thanks to Bark. Every month, we deliver toys and treats just for your pup. They deserve to be spoiled every month. At Bark, we send your dog a whole collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's our fun plush toys or our ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, we give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, we will double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com Rob. BarkBox is so convenient and delivers straight to your door and more importantly, right to your dog. I can't wait to try out BarkBox. My dogs need their toys, particularly the chewable toys. Sign up now at BarkBox.com Rob for an exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's get back to petting our dogs. You know, when I was when I was the last year on Modern or on Married with Children, they switched us to Saturday night. Well, you know what that is. That's no, you means, that means you're canceled. Because we were Sunday night for ten mm-hmm. years. Oh, yeah. So uh, he made a big deal out of it. There was this big affiliates thing before the start of the season, and everybody. It was like uh, everybody loves Raymond's first year, mm-hmm. and that whole cast was there. Peter Boyle, that was a wonderful show. Yeah, great show. And they wanted me and Katie to come in on that day and present something or make some sort of announcement. So we said, yeah, we sort of had to do it. So I get up. It's my turn to talk after everybody. Peter Roth introduced me. It was his first year as president. He had just got that thing. Yep. You know, I went through like eight presidents. Yeah, sure. For Fox during that run. So I told this story. I said, you know, I was at my house in Venice and I looked up and I saw the puff of white smoke going up over the, <laughs> the west side. I knew another president had been. Uh, <laughs> so now I said, you know, I, I, I really, I just want to say a couple of things to our affiliates here. And so happy to see everybody. A lot of you, I know. And I haven't seen for a while, and we only see each other once a year. It's always nice. I said, you know, as you know, they moved us to Saturday night. And they're very enthusiastic about it. They're telling me that they're very excited about it. And they're also happy with that move. And I, I said, I just feel like that old dog today. <laughs> Peter Roth, I mean, nobody really laughed that hard, you know. Like Peter Roth <laughs> was like. That. So now when we got canceled... Uh, which was right after you came off stage. Yeah, we didn't even get an espresso uh, uh, drink. So about six months, maybe a year, maybe a year later, he called me 
about something. He wanted me to do something for him, for Fox. And I said, uh, how you been? I haven't talked to you. Oh, good. I've been meaning to call you, you know, that whole thing. I felt so terrible when we had to cancel your show. I said, well, okay. I said, you know, we never got the last episode, which I never did understand that logic. Um, 11 years. Kept you guys in the black the whole time. No last episode. And no gifts for the cast. Nothing. Not even a card. He said, Ed, do you actually think that we would let you go without a wonderful gift? Oh, it's a year later. I said, oh, you've got something in mind, Peter? I said, well, just a, a helpful hint. I've got steak knives. <laughs> Never got a thing. And I still get Christmas cards from them. I grew up in this business, right? And I thought all businesses were run like Hollywood until yeah. I met real people in real businesses. It's insanity. It really is. But, you know, when we got canceled, I'll tell you one, one more story about that, and that's enough. I was in Youngstown. I was staying at a bed and breakfast right by the university. And, um, you know, we hadn't heard anything because they canceled us after that last season before what would have been our 12th. Right. So we're sort of waiting to hear. Yeah, you're wondering. You're on the bubble. You think you know, you I'm kind of knowing, but, you know, I'm still wondering. Sure. So I come out of the bed and breakfast and a car pulls in with the tin cans and the, it's the married couple. They pull right in front of me and they say, oh my God, it's, it's Al Bundy. <laughs> Tell I said, well, congratulations, you know, you just got married. Yes, we just got married. We're, we're going in to make children, to have our, you know, our wedding dinner and so forth. And I said, oh, well, great. So sorry to hear about your show. I said, pardon me? Oh my God, he doesn't know. Well, it's on the radio. It's on the TV. You, know, you got canceled. I said, okay. They said, oh my God, we're so sorry. I said, well, I would rather hear it from you. <laughs> Come on, let's go in. I bought him a bottle of champagne, you know. Adios. Now, you want that story because you can tell that story forever. Yeah. Nobody ever called us, Rob. Oh, I I'm on shows that have never been canceled. We just haven't made them in multiple years. But don't get me wrong. I've gotten the phone calls where they go, that's it. I'm sorry. It's over. I've had those too. But I've also had shows that just all of a sudden you're not. They just fade away. They just fade away. Nothing's ever canceled. And if you notice, yeah. they don't, they don't announce canceling things anymore. But that takes it to a whole new level. You're, you created the network. You, you and sports and the Simpsons, period. And you hear about it from two local yokels who just got married in Youngstown. It's, you yeah. can't make it up. You cannot yeah. make it up. And when people want to know how show business is run, there's your answer. Well, when they cast me, you know, I was like the last one in. I came from New York. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had seen all kinds of guys for that part. I get a call and they say, hey, they got this show. It's called Married with Children. I said, it's a horrible title. Well, it's uh, these two crazy guys. And uh, they're right over here at Sunset Gower. So I read it and I thought, it's kind of funny. So I went in and they asked me if I'd read. And I said, sure. 
Because at the time I was from, I was in New York. I read all the time. Yeah. I love reading. And I thought it reminds me of one of my uncles, this guy. So apparently I would have no way of knowing a lot of the other actors read it like Jackie Gleason's honeymooners, Hmm. you know, angry. And, uh, when I read it, cause I had no reference, I thought it's just the guy is my uncle expecting the worst and getting it right. And they hadn't heard that. And I guess that's what started them, you know, thinking maybe I was going to do this. And when they finally said they wanted me and they went to Barry Diller, Diller, and I think this is true. Diller said, well, you got the girl, which was Katie Seagal. Yeah. Legend. You can do a hell of a lot better for the guy. And they said, well, we, we kind of like him. We, we got to shoot next week. It's your funeral. A lot of people listen to the podcast who want to be actors and are actors or young actors or thinking about being actors or should I let my kids at whatever is like what you heard there is the same story for me with the West Wing. It's like when I came in and read Sam Seaborn, no one had ever been funny. They, they, it just, I, I knew it was funny. It was funny to me. The minute I read yeah. it, I knew it was funny. Yeah. Like you read it and you knew it wasn't angry. You knew it was just like your uncle. And, yeah. and so really what it is, is about point of view. If you are an actor and you read something and you have a point of view on it and you just go, oh, I know, I know this. I know what this yeah. is. That's what you have to offer. And sometimes yeah. you're the only person in the world that has that. Yeah. This is great. I, I love talking to you. I want to see you on the beach. In Hawaii, you're always on that Stairmaster. I'm very impressed with your cardio. No, no, no. Life. I don't get on that anymore. Oh, well, now. What? I walk. I mean, if, fuck that. You know, that stuff. Also, when you're in Hawaii, be outside. Outside, exactly. You're going to be outside. Well, you and I will take a good walk. That was fun. He's such a good dude. Can you think of anybody better you'd rather run into in Hawaii on a, sitting on a beach than Ed O'Neill? I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, you, I could talk to him for a thousand years. I uh, hope you had as much fun as I did. And now it is time to check the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323 570 Four five five one. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hi, Rob. My name is Beth, and I'm from Rhode Island. And my question is, little something, something. I want to know what's the most exciting thing that you look forward to every year to do for fun. Hi, Rob. This is Mary from Boston. Bye. So we had Steph and Mary were getting in on there. I like that. Um. The thing I look forward to most every year, I think, it, listen, I, it, it, maybe it sounds kind of lame, but, but it's, I, I gotta say it's, it's Christmas with my family. I think I really do. I love the holidays. I love, you know, everybody getting together. I'm usually in the middle of, of shooting my season of whatever show that I happen to be on or movie or whatever. So I'm, I'm ready for the break. Super, super ready. And then just, you know, having my coffee or my non-alcoholic beer or my cigar and the fire and the dogs and the kids. And um, I'm very into my one present I get. And I usually get one. It's usually really, listen, don't feel bad for me, but I like one present as opposed to a bunch of other whatever. I already know what I'm getting this year. 
because my wife isn't capable of surprising me. She just was like, I got you your birthday present. I'm like, it's July. Um, so I know what I'm getting. And by the way, that's why I'm looking forward to Christmas because I already know what I'm getting. So um, I'm going with Christmas. Um, and thank you for calling the lowdown line. And everybody out there, dial in. Give me some more questions. Appreciate it. Um, next week, more fun to be had here. Thanks for subscribing. Give us some uh, five-star reviews. Those are always helpful. And we'll keep putting stuff together for you. See you next week. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced and engineered by me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn, and music is by Devin Tory Bryant. Make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next week on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance TVs. They're certainly out here, there. But when I, when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's, I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little, little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires.